church. Isn't it wonderful, right? On again, off again, on again, off again, meeting, and I'm glad, I'm thankful to be here this morning with you. I thought to myself when I when I sat down, I see people, <laughs> right? And uh, what a beautiful blessing, living people. Uh, we are thankful to be able to be here to assemble to worship our great God uh, in spirit and in truth. And it's great to see each and every one of you, uh, those of you who are with us present physically and those who are online, we thank you for your attendance. Let's go to God in prayer, please. Merciful and kind Heavenly Father, we we do praise your holy and divine name and thank you. We know, Lord God, that you are in control of all things. And we we give unto you, we grant unto you all the glory. We're thankful, Lord God, to you for watching over us, and for keeping us, for blessing us, and bringing us to this hour, to this day where we can worship you in spirit and in truth. We pray our worship will be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. And that we'll never take our, ni- our minds off of Jesus, your great son. Help us, Lord God. Help us to rid our minds of worldly thought. We might focus only on you. In Jesus' holy and precious name, we do pray and thank thee to be thy will. Amen. Jesus is Lord. I know we know that. We just, we just sang to him. But what does that really mean to God's people? What does that mean to the world? What I mean by that, as far as the world is concerned, is the day of judgment. What will that really mean? In Genesis chapter 1, we find that Jesus, the eternal God, has been there from before the beginning because he is eternal. And this morning, what I want and hope that we may be able to do is to reconstruct or to uh, ensure that God is right in our minds. If you get God right in your minds, everything else falls into place. Elohim, the Hebrew word for God, it occurs over 200 times in Genesis alone and about 2,600 times in the Old Testament. And its form is, is plural, but the construction of the word itself is singular. It represents the Godhead. You're going to hear me say this over and over again, the supreme God. So Genesis 1 and verse 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. It's important that the word Elohim is used here because of the way the word is used. Because when you get to verse 26, you find a plural version of the idea of what this Bible is speaking of. Then God said, let us. He's not talking to himself. He's talking to the Godhead. The Godhead is speaking. Then God said, Elohim said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Colossians chapter 1, please. It means Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Hebrew word Elohim, the name Elohim of God, represents the fullness of deity. And so when we turn over to Colossians chapter 1, listen to what the Bible says about Jesus. 
Verse 16. For by Him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. He is also head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that He Himself might come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Him. Deity. All of it is in Jesus. And only the eternal God can be a part of this deity. Chapter 2, verse 8, Colossians. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. For in Him, Jesus, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Now that kind of puts another or sheds another light on this idea. Turn to Matthew chapter 1. Because I want you to see now the depth of the word theos in the Greek. The same idea of Elohim, the supreme God or deity. The term that's used of deity that refers even to Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 1, the Bible says in verse 23, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us supreme so here you have Jesus who came in bodily form and the Bible says that all the fullness of deity that's Father, Son and Holy Spirit dwelt in Jesus the Godhead Elohim Hotheos God came down John 1 And verse 1, God is a united one. Verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being by Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Let's get another word. Adonai. Turn to Psalm chapter 2. Adonai. That's a Hebrew word. The word Adonai is an emphatic form of Lord. Referring to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Referring to the Godhead. Elohim. The Lord. Used some 600 times in the Old Testament. Psalm 2 beginning at verse 2. The Bible says... The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, Jehovah. Wait, 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 wait a minute, wait. You notice what's happening in this verse? The kings are going to fight against God because they think they're going to win. Church, if you don't have God right in your mind, 
we're all going to have trouble on the day of judgment. The kings decided to fight against the Lord. And if you will, in verse 3, let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs the Lord, Jehovah, scoffs at them. Adonai scoffs at them. This is an emphatic version, if you will, or, or form of Lord. So let's go to the New Testament. And I want to show you Acts chapter 2. And I want you to understand the power of the sermon that's repeated over and over again in and throughout the New Testament. I'm going to go to verse 36 first. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucify. Now listen to a part of the sermon. Jump back to verse 22. Understanding the word Lord or Adonai, right? The emphatic form of Lord, Yahweh. And then in the New Testament, it's the word Kyrios because we're in the Greek. Verse 22. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst just as you yourselves know. How many of us know we're not doing what we're supposed to do? How many of us know that we're really not giving God 100%? God says, I want you to know I'm preaching this sermon. And you, you executed Jesus. And you know you did. And you know what he did. And you know who he was. Verse 23, this man delivered up by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. And God raised him up putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held by its power. Verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord, Kyrios, Adonai, and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. They were pricked, pierced to the heart because now they know what they've done. And they know something else too. Turn to Acts chapter 10, please. They know that they're going to stand before God in the days of eternity. How are we going to be saved? We'll come back to that at the end. The message is repeated over and over again. Acts 10 and verse 36. The Bible says, The word which he sent to the sons of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord. Curios. Of all, you yourselves know the thing which took place 
throughout all Judea, starting from Judea, excuse me, from Galilee. After the baptism was John proclaimed, you know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all these things. He did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, and they also put him to death by hanging him on a cross. God raised him up on the third day and granted that he should become visible, not to all the people, but to witnesses who were chosen beforehand by God, that is, to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach to the people and solemnly testify that this is the one who has been appointed by God as judge of the living and the dead. And you crucified him. Hmm. Jesus Christ, Adonai, Jah, Theos, Elohim, Yahweh, Lord. Where does Jesus fit in your heart? The Lord. Turn over, if you will, to Genesis chapter 3. Jehovah God, Yahweh. This term, a word, refers to God, the self-existent one. And the Jews were afraid to use his name for a fear of repetition. This became Israel's distinctive name for deity. And so whenever you see in the Old Testament the word Lord in all caps, it's speaking of God's personal name. The name of God, brethren, is not to be trifled with. And I asked this a long time ago, and I ask you again, when you, when you hear God's name used in vain, does it, does it send chills up your spine? Does it, does it bother you? Or, or do you laugh with the beautiful gesture of, of Hollywood and our friends? Do you take a stand? If you have God right in your mind, all of this, all of this falls into place. Genesis 3 and verse 14. The Bible makes it clear to us. It says, The Lord God, Jehovah, Yahweh, Elohim. The Jehovah said to the serpent, Because you've done this, cursed are you, more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and the dust you shall eat. And you notice that when Jehovah Elohim spoke to the serpent, the serpent is the only one in Genesis 3 who had enough common sense to not say a word. Because he knows who God is. Remember Adam, he blamed Eve, right? Eve blamed the serpent. And it wasn't that Satan had no one to blame. 
He was the only one with enough common sense and reverence because he was in the presence of Jehovah Elohim. And so he said nothing. Turn to Isaiah chapter 7. You know, people forever will fight against God. We will fight God and fight God and fight God to have maybe what we want or to have our ways. But God is not to be trifled with. Isaiah chapter 7, we see the words Adonai and Jehovah in verse 6. Thus says Adonai Jehovah. I'm sorry, you go back to verse 6. I'm sorry, go back. Let us go up against Judah and terrorize it and make for ourselves a breach in its walls and set up the son of Tabeel as king in the midst of it. So this is Aram and Ephraim and you know these, these nations come together. We're going to go and overtake God. And then verse 7 says, Thus says Adonai Jehovah, It shall not stand, nor shall it come to pass. God. Exodus chapter 3, please. We serve a mighty God. In the midst of this pandemic, have we forgotten who's in control? In the midst of this pandemic, have we given up on God? The only one who can save us and the only one who can stop it Have we forgotten the power and the mighty name of God? Elohim. Exodus 3 and verse 13. Then Moses said to Elohim, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I shall say to them, The Elohim of your fathers has sent me to you. And now... They say to me, what is his name and what shall I say to him? God said to Moses, I am who I am. Jehovah. Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am as sent me to you. And God, Jehovah, Yahweh, Furthermore, said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name. This is my memorial name to all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, Jehovah, Elohim, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to me, saying, I am indeed concerned about you and what has been done to you in Egypt. God is in full control. Turn to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. John the Baptist came and prepared the way. He prepared the way for God. 
He prepared the way for Jehovah. He prepared the way for Elohim. He prepared the way for Jesus, our Lord. Isaiah chapter 40, verses beginning at verse 1. The Bible says there, Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God, Elohim. Speak kindly to Jerusalem and call out to her that her warfare may, has ended, that her iniquity has been removed, that she has received of the Lord, Jehovah's hand, double for all of her sins. A voice is calling, clear the way for Jehovah in the wilderness. Make smooth in the desert a highway for Elohim. Speaking of Jesus. Do you have God right in your mind? Do you have that fear of God that God commands of us? That gore used in some places in the Hebrew. Uh, that yare used in other places in the Hebrew. That fear of God. And then there's the fear that regards, regards our respect. Do you have the respect for God in your heart? That's the question that we have to continually ask ourselves. Do we fear Yahweh? You ever heard someone pray and say, Dear God, our, our buddy, God is not your buddy. I've heard that in the Lord's church. Dear God, our, our buddy, how have, we, how have we in God's church reduced God to become like us? Aren't you thankful God is nothing like us? <laughs> Thank you for saying amen. Thank you for that one. I mean, there'd be no forgiveness, wouldn't there? Thought I'd throw that one out there. Isaiah 45, in verse 5, the Lord speaks. And in verse 5, he says, I am Jehovah. I'm Yahweh. There is no other besides me. There is no Elohim. I will gird you, though you have not known me, that men may know from the rising to the setting of the sun that there is no one besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. The one forming light and creating darkness, causing well-being and Creating calamity. I am the Lord who does all these. Darkness is the absence of light. And is that not one of the fearful things of hell? God is not there. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4, please. God creates darkness by removing the light. And He is the light. And we brethren represent that light and as we live our lives we must live our lives in such a way to where people see us as being different they see us as being and we accept being different 
we have to accept being different. We are not like the world. We do not go along with the world. We do not give in to the world. We set the bar. We are God's people. We have to be willing to be counted and to be different. Because there is no other God. In Ephesians 4 and the verse 5, there's one Lord, one faith and one baptism. One God, verse 6. There's one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. There is one Lord, one Kyrios, one Adonai, one Jehovah, one faith, and one baptism. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. And you know those folks in Acts chapter uh, uh, 2, there wasn't, uh, you know, when they, when they were pricked to their heart, there wasn't this argument. There wasn't an argument about what there is to do or what they must do to be saved. Coming back to it in a moment. Verse 5. For even if there are so-called gods, lowercase. And by the way, let me just say this if I could, just as an opportunity. When you write the name God in your text messages or in your emails, don't write it in lowercase letters. I mean, the G I'm speaking of. That, that's for idol gods. You write it in, and you write it in a cap. You start with the G is in a cap. Yet for us there are, but there is but one God. Let me go back. I want to read the context, verse five again. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, lowercase. Yet for us there is but one, uppercase, right cap capital G. There is one God, the Father from whom all things, and we exist for him, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we exist through him. And what I want to do in closing this lesson out, I want to go back to Daniel chapter 4, because I want to kind of show you what happens when uh, we get God right. We have Him right in our minds. I'm not saying that's this morning that you don't have God right in your mind. But I want to strengthen your resolve in your relationship with the Lord. I just want to strengthen it. I want to use Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was a very proud man. And the prophecy came uh, by Daniel through, uh, uh, through Daniel to Nebuchadnezzar. And it was, you need to humble yourself. And Nebuchadnezzar heard the message. But it only takes about a year, and for us probably a couple of weeks, to forget. And he forgot. I mean, he forgot so much to where, I mean, he didn't even think about the God of the universe. He got back into this world of thinking about himself and only himself. Look at how great I am, old Babylon. Look at what I've done. And you know the rest of the account that God sent him out for seven periods to eat like a wild beast. But when he came to his senses, when, when he got God right in his mind, listen to what he had to say. Verse 34. 
didn't look right when I started reading it. Daniel chapter 4, verse 34. But at the end of that period, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven, and my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored Him who lives forever. For His dominion is an everlasting dominion, and His kingdom endures from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. But he does according to his will in the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of earth. And no one can ward off his hand or say to him, what hast thou done? Now I want you to realize what Nebuchadnezzar recognized. See, at first he was prideful. Look at me, I captured I destroyed all these nations. And now he recognizes that in relationship to God, he's nothing. How many of us understand that? How many of us understand that? So as we begin to ask the question, you know, why, why, why? Maybe we ought to step back for just a moment and say, God, I don't know why, but I thank you for this hour. I thank you for this moment. He came to his senses in verse 36, and he continued to say, At that time my reason returned to me, and my majesty and splendor were restored to me. For the glory of my kingdom and my counselors and my nobles began seeking me out. So I was reestablished in my sovereignty, and surpassing greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, Praise, exalt, and honor the King of heaven, for all his works are true and his ways just, and he is able to humble those who walk in pride. Church, don't make God humble you. So, in closing this lesson out, Acts chapter 2, when you think of Jesus, Where is Jesus in your heart today? Where is he in your mind? When you think of Jesus, uh, has he been elevated to his proper position where he's always been, even with us, without acknowledging him? That's where he is. But in our hearts, have we elevated him to the proper position? That he is Lord. That he is Christ. And in verse 36, Therefore let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? There may be someone here this morning who has not surrendered to Christ, who has a desire to surrender to Christ. There may be someone online who has a desire to surrender to Christ but hasn't done so as of yet. Or there may be someone online or someone here who has not had that desire, but today you have that desire to surrender to Christ. Listen to what God says. Verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? 
And Peter said to them, Repent and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 41 says, So then those who had received this word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. There's nothing really to debate. This is what the Bible tells us to do. This morning, if you have struggled in your heart as a child of God and you would like to uh, have prayers made on your behalf, if there's anything we can do for you this morning, please make it known while together we stand and sing our song.